Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nikrita, your host. Very happy to be with you again, and welcome to our program. It's an amazing study today again, and uh, please stay with us. And we invite you to grab the Bible and open the Bible mainly in um, chapter 10 and 11 in Revelation, and uh, you'll be able to follow us also. But there will be some other parts of the Bible which we'll look at. Very, very happy to have you with us. And uh, before we start, I'd just like to welcome uh, the panel for today. And this panel is composed by a few wonderful people here. And thank you all to come. And I'll just uh, introduce uh, each one of them just briefly. Uh, thank you, Lydia, for coming uh, to the Bible study. Yeah, praise the Lord for being here today. And Helen, thank you for joining us again. It's great to be back. Thank you. And Harvey also, uh, thank you for uh, coming with us, coming back again. Yeah, that's fine. Nice to be here. Thank you. And I'd like to um, especially welcome uh, Brenton, who's uh, our facilitator for today. He also, after an absence of a few weeks during this program, he may even share some of his uh, amazing experiences in the Holy Land and some other parts of the world because he went for um, a good trip. And welcome back, uh, Brenton. Thank you, Nick. Pleasure to be able to open God's Word. Uh, maybe just before uh, we go into that, we'll have a word of prayer just to start with. And okay. Helen, would you like to just yes, pray for I'd us? Yes, I'd like to. Thank you. Loving Heavenly Father, thank you that you have brought us together for this study. Thank you for your amazing blessings through the week. And thank you for the Holy Spirit that has been promised to give us enlightenment. And we call upon the Holy Spirit now to please speak in and through us. May we be your messengers. May, may we be your transmission. But may the words come from you above, Father, I pray in your loving name. Amen. Amen. Our study today is a particularly interesting one. It's entitled The Seven Trumpets, but in order to understand it, we really need to backtrack a little bit and look over some, some of the studies that we have done in the past. I'm going to invite our panel to have a look at uh, Revelation chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, and I wonder, Harvey, whether you would read that for us. I believe that this verse sets the setting for what we're going to study in our Bible study today. Revelation 6, verses 9 and 10. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Thank you, Harvey. The seven trumpets that we're going to be studying today relate to the issue of judgment. And I believe um, that the seven trumpets are related to a response that God is giving to this cry that we have just read, that Harvey has just read to us in uh, Revelation 6, 9 and 10. What is so important about God answering their response? Helen, do you have a comment on that? Well, the cry was, how long, Lord? You how know, long, Their, yes. their <laughs> blood was crying out, how long, you know, and, the, and it was interesting, we discussed this before, that one of the things the Lord said, wait, wait, and we likened it in the other study to when Cain and Abel were on this earth, and, and how Abel's blood cried out and there was a waiting time 
and there was also a mark, of course, put on Cain as well. It's very interesting mm. parallel there. Can I but, ask a question? Yes. What was the importance of the waiting, Helen? Seeing you've mentioned it, okay. can you elaborate a little bit yeah. more? Yeah, there the was a time that they was. needed to wait because there were other things that needed to be fulfilled, number mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. But also, number two, um, God's judgment is, is coming. And I believe that was a waiting time back then as it is today. His judgment is definitely coming. And that's where the trumpets come in. Mm. It's a warning sound, if you like. In fact, I don't know, um, Brenton, if you've actually got, uh, if you've thought of Joel 2. And um, I, I was looking at that this morning. And the book of Joel actually contains a key passage for understanding why the symbol of trumpets were used. And if I can mm-hmm. quickly just sure. read it, sure. um, in Joel 2, it begins with the words, Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm in my holy mountain, let all the inhabitants of land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. And I found it was interesting that Joel goes on in there to you know, warn them about things. Things, but then he tells them how they should respond. And I think this is important too, if I can just finish here. It says, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. So the trumpets mm-hmm. are a warning for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Nick? And I was just going to add to that, um, uh, Helen, because the question was... Um, Why the waiting? Wa- yeah, waiting, yes. waiting. Mm-hmm. Interesting that God always, when something happened on this earth, and you mentioned about... Cain and Abel, uh, God has a promise for us all, and that promise also it's a, it's a very it's a timing thing, you know, to to wait for the promise of the Lord. God will never ask us to wait on something which is in totally unknown. It's in something which He promised us that stay strong and wait. Mm-hmm. I'm coming to that. And also, no, God is still in control. Yes, mm-hmm. through it all. True. Harvey, did you have a comment on this? Yes, I do. Uh, I think we have to understand that when it speaks about the souls under the altar, that's symbolic. Yes. Because the Bible clearly says that the dead know not anything, so they can't be talking. But we understand, and I think the people that are alive understand, how long is it going to be before God avenges the death of his saints? down through the centuries all of time in fact and so i think we have to understand it's not it's a symbolic look at the issue of avenging the blood of the saints they asked two questions don't they how long what what was it again that you read how long holy and true until you judge and avenge so both judgment and the meeting out of punishment Lydia, did you have a comment that you yes, wish to we, make? Yes, um, in regard to this, <coughs> we studied last week's that uh, those who are sealed, they have to wait until the number is going to be fulfilled. So God knows exactly what is the number of that great multitude. And uh, until the number has been fulfilled, um, those who are sealed, they have to wait. I mean, those mm. who are chosen. It's a waiting time. Yeah. What, what, uh, what, here's another aspect of the waiting that is important. God's time is not our time. Mm. I think we all accept that. And we as human beings are naturally impatient. We want things to happen. We want um, action. But God has his set timetable for things. And in waiting, it also develops our, our faith. 
It causes us to trust him regardless of whether we can see a definite outcome or not. Helen, I think you had a point. Yeah, just, just when you <coughs> mentioned that, we don't see the whole picture. Mm. Habakkuk came into my mind. Yes. Remember the prophet Habakkuk, and he's one of my favourite books, actually. He, he, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he literally yelled out to God, you know, well, you know, God, what are you doing? You know, how long is this going to happen? Mm. And, and God's re- reaction was, come up my mountain and see the big picture from my perspective. I love it because, A, Habakkuk wasn't zapped out, and which showed me that we can come to God in any time, whether we're distressed or whatever. But the interesting thing is that God has the big picture. We don't. Mm. And that's where we need to trust him and trust Mm. his promises. Good point. Harvey? I also think that the where it speaks about a number, it's really not so much the number as it is God knows that, there is a point coming when the last person who will accept his yes, grace has actually accepted mm. and then the end comes. Mm. That aligns very clearly with, uh, of course, what um, the only sign that is actually given in the Bible of Christ's return. Matthew twenty four fourteen. this gospel of the kingdom will be given to all the world mm. and then the end will come. Mm. As I've explained to many people in Bible studies and in discussion, how do you know? when the gospel has gone to all the world. Only God knows that. That's, That's why true. he says, no one knows the day or the hour. Anyway, looking at chapter 8 of, uh, of Revelation, and as Nick said earlier on in his uh, comments, we will be looking at chapter 10 and 11. But chapter 8 is where we start, and I want to look at the first two or three verses of chapter 8. Helen, could you read perhaps verse 1 through to verse 3? for us and then we'll unpack these couple of verses because these set the scene for the seven trumpets i'm actually reading from the new living translation and it says when the lamb broke the seventh seal on the scroll there was silence throughout heaven for about half an hour i saw the seven angels who stand before god and they were given seven trumpets Then another angel with a gold incense burner came and stood at the altar, and a great amount of incense was given to him to mix with the prayers of God's people as an offering on the gold altar before the throne. And read verse 4 as well. Verse 4 says, The smoke of the incense mixed with the prayers of God's holy people ascended up to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. There are some very interesting points that need to be brought out out here, I believe, in our study this morning. Firstly, the silence in heaven. What specifically do you understand the silence in heaven? Can I come back before that? The thing that jumped out to me as I was just reading that verse one, seven seals, you know, seven angels, seven trumpets. It keeps coming through Revelation, doesn't it? Seven churches. The sign of completion. Mm. Yeah, Mm. yeah. I just found that interesting. Sorry, Thank you, Helen. Mm -hmm. Any other comments? Nick, were you going to make a comment in regard to this? uh, Just uh, to continue on that one, uh, in Revelation, as uh, you said, number seven is very important and symbolize, because as you said, the, the completion, you know, but symbolize the time. We live in the time of completion of the history of this world. Mm. You know, and it's it's no doubt about that that we are going to witness even more uh, in short time things which are uh, revealed in Revelation. We already, if we have an open eye, because that's what the, in the Bible says: if you have ears to hear, or if you have eyes to see, you'll understand. And even though uh, mentioning that, that we don't know the um, the end of the time, 
we know actually because Jesus told us when you see all these things happening, lift up your eyes towards heaven. Then we know something. We don't know the date, the hour, and the date, but we know the times. Mm-hmm. And that's important for uh, the mm-hmm. children of God to be able to also to share with many other people who may think, what's all about this book of Revelation? Because I can't understand anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you. Nick, Lydia, I believe you had a comment. There was silence in heaven for about half an hour. We don't know exactly what half an hour was in, in God's time. But this silence in heaven, I think it's a moment when everyone was waiting because the seventh seal, mm-hmm. the seventh seal is the verdict. Yes. So, um, so uh, is it a way of expectation? Exactly. So the first ones were warnings to people, you know, warnings about judgment, to come to God, to repent. And this one, because was the last one and was the, the, the verdict, I think the whole heaven went into waiting to see that moment of silence. Yes. Mm. Let us read verse 5 as well, uh, folk. Um, Thank you, Helen, for reading the first four. I'm going to read verse 5 for you. It says, Then the angel took the censer, filled it with the fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. Now, here you have something really interesting, folk, that's uh, worth looking at. You have a censer that is filled with incense, which we know from Revelation 5 verse 8 is the prayers of the saints. The incense, the prayers of God's people are ascending to him. He is hearing them. And the response, uh, based on the Old Testament and what took place in the sanctuary service, we have here, we have the angel taking the censer and throwing it to the earth. He doesn't throw the incense to the earth. He throws the fire to the earth. So you have a dual purpose of this censer. In one sense, the incense, the prayers of God's people for deliverance, for judgment, for vindication go up to him. In another sense, the censer is thrown to the earth to indicate that judgment is about to begin on those who have persecuted God's people. Helen, I think you Um, had a point. Yeah, when you talk about the waiting time, we don't like to wait, Mm -hmm. you know, but I thought it was very interesting that the only sound was the prayers. Mm. Yeah, to me that was important, you know, because Mm -hmm. sometimes God keeps us in his waiting room. Mm. That's the time we need to show confidence and trust in him and ascend our prayers to him. I just could see a likeness Mm. there. Sorry to backtrack there a little bit. No, that's Mm -hmm. very good. The waiting, I think, is we would call it today, we would use a a phrase that we've often heard, almost a pregnant pause. Yes. Yes. It's almost as though everyone is just waiting to see what is going to happen. We see the waiting time as being long. Any time we have to wait for something, whether it's a bus or something like that, the minutes seem to be much longer than minutes at other times. We seem to take, it takes much longer. And we have to understand that when God's people are waiting for the end time, it seems to be a long time. But in God's time, it's, well, there is no such thing as God's time because God lives outside of time. Mm. And so time is not something that is of great significance 
in one respect, but for us, time will end. Mm. And it's going yes. to happen. Yes. And you imagine that when Adam died, time ceased to exist for him. But when Jesus comes again, which we expect in the not-too-distant future, mm. soon, I believe, um, it's not going to seem any longer to Adam than the last person who died before yes. Jesus comes. Good point. Nick? Just uh, before we move maybe to the next point, uh, the real meaning of the trumpets, in regard to the half an hour of silence, I just want to say something here. This is a uh, Bible study in itself, you know, and we may come uh, later on or another program to talk about that half an hour of silence. But I would like you to just reflect to this. When Jesus was in Gethsemane and his time, you know, his struggle of going to the cross, that was a silent in heaven because he prayed to God, you know, he prayed, mm -hmm. Father, it yes. is your will, yes. uh, depart from me, this. Now, it we almost we understand that God almost turned his back towards Jesus but now he turned his back towards sin mm -hmm. and he knew that the sin will be dealt with mm -hmm. now the end towards the end of the time God's people will also experience that great tribulation that great time of distress and you know the silence in heaven it's very short and he even says half an hour. Probably nowhere in the in the Bible will find that time of a half an hour again so short. Mainly it talks about days and years and so on. Mm. But that of short period of time when the people of God will suffer, it's a silent in heaven. And Jesus said if he wouldn't shorten that time, maybe nobody will be able to stand. Mm. And he, you see, that's a that's a study in itself. But we'll come maybe another time to elaborate a little sure. bit more on this. Sure, Helen. I would like to come to the part where you said about the incense. Mm -hmm. um, the first thing that we see about the incense in the sanctuary service was in the holy place, yes. and they were the you know the prayers yes. ascending and the Holy Spirit taking those prayers. We are now in the most holy place, and and as you said, coming for the judgment. I believe that the incense was mixed also with the sweet savour of Jesus. The Bible tells yes. us that there yes. was a sweet savour mm -hmm. and it was Jesus. So we have the prayers in the holy place. You move to the most holy where Christ has already been sacrificed and now he's coming up to the mm. judgment. Mm. And, and there's this progression as we go mm. through. And the throwing down of the uh, censer also indicates that... Um, probationary time is about to close yes, yes. that all people's decisions that they have made and this is important for our listeners for and us as well mm. all the decisions that we make as christians as followers of jesus are, are then being weighed they're being weighed in the sense that each person is deciding each day whether they will put christ first in their life and uh, he recognizes those who have honored him but for those who have chosen, and I use the word chosen kindly but carefully, chosen to disregard the great sacrifice that was made for them, there is only judgment. We can Lydia. see that in verse 5 that we read, so in uh, Revelation chapter 8 verse 5, mm -hmm. we uh, see that the angel fills the censer with fire from the altar That's right. and hurls down to the earth. Significantly, this fire comes from the, the very 
altar on which the prayers of the saints were all offered. So the fact that the fire comes from that very altar shows that the seven trumpet judgments fall upon the inhabitants of the earth in answer to the prayers of God's people and also that God will intervene in their behalf is his appointed time. Mm, But the throwing down of the censer will also be a warning that Christ's intercession will not last forever. Mm. So there will be a close of probationary time. That is correct. Also, what this demonstrates very clearly in reading this text, and this is important too, is that you see the balance between God's justice and his mercy. For one group, those who have chosen to accept him, there was mercy. For those who have chosen to reject him, unfortunately, God's justice is revealed. But we have to remember that God's character is on trial here. There has to be a perfect balance between justice and mercy. And this is what is taking place here. This is also indicative of God avenging the blood, coming Mm. back to what you started us with. This is where it links in. Yes, that's Mm. right. Let's have a look very quickly. We haven't got time to do all the seven trumpets, otherwise we'd be here all day. But we will reflect on them. Over what period of time, historically speaking, are the seven trumpets? In other words, what period of time do the seven trumpets cover? I think it's probably um, considered that it's about the same time period as the other sevens, like the seven churches. It's Which is the, from when? From when? the time of Christ or to, right to the end of time. That's right. Okay, thank you, Harvey. Any other comments on that? Oh, I actually agree with Harvey there. Yes. I think the first trumpet, mm. uh, if you look at it, it lines up with the seals, it lines up with the churches. Mm. Um, and so we're really talking about the time of Ephesus, you know, the church of Ephesus back yeah. then. Mm. That having said, we need to keep in mind also, because there are certain aspects in the description, in the, in the passage we are mm-hmm. looking at, which will reflect and cover even the whole period oh, of yes. um, uh, humanity on this earth. You know, because, yeah, that, just keep in mind that. But te- technically, to speak, uh, the seven uh, trumpets also, yeah, uh, talks quite a bit to, to back up, if you like. And very interesting thing here. If something in the Bible is it's told like once, twice, three times, that's certain. And that's an emphasis, you know. On it's re-emphasized yeah. for the point of, of uh, making the fact that it is very, very important. Yeah. Anyway, let's look at the first trumpet very, very quickly. Helen, could you read uh, verse 7? We will make a few comments as we go along, which will then help you to understand how to understand the rest of the trumpets. Okay, chapter 8, verse 7. Verse 7, thank says, you. says, The first angel blew his trumpet, and hail and fire, mixed with blood, were thrown down on the earth. One third of the earth was set on fire, one third of the trees were burned, and all the green grass was burned. Okay, there's some interesting <laughs> points in there. Fire and hail represent invasion, it represents war and strife. How do we know that? I'd like someone to have a look at Isaiah 28 verse 2 for us, please. Uh, Lydia, would you be able to read that one, if that's uh, not putting you on the spot too much? Just by way of comparison, um, we always believe that the Bible interprets the Bible. So let's have a look and see, is there any commonality between the words that are used in Isaiah 28 verse 2, which Lydia is about to read to us, and Revelation 8 
verse 7 that has just been read by Helen. See, the Lord has one who is powerful and strong, like a hailstorm and a destructive wind, like a driving rain and a flooding downpower. He will throw it forcefully to the ground. Okay. Now, are there any similar words used in these two verses? Hail? Yeah, hail. Storm? Yeah. Thunder? Thunder? Okay. Can you see the similarity between the Old Testament and the New Testament? It is often said that something like three quarters of the book of Revelation is either direct quotes from the Old Testament or mm. or at least analogies or references to the Old Testament. Mm. Helen, you want to make y a comment? Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's interesting too that I've had people say, well, are we looking for this literally? But when you actually interpret Revelation, there are a few principles that you need to take mm -hmm. into mind. Yep. Uh, and, of course, one of them is being, you know, is it hurting the earth or, or whatever. And it's interesting, it says, hail and fire mixed with blood, you know. It, indicates It's violence. symbolic. It's yes. symbolic, but it indicates something. Um, it's not necessary that we're actually going to see um, hail and, and fire mixed with blood falling happening, from falling mm. from the sky. But it is symbolic, and as you've just mentioned before, it's symbolic of the judgment mm -hmm. that is, is, is coming. So I think we need to look at uh, on, on that way as well. Mm. Mm. There is another aspect of this first trumpet that we just want to spend a little bit of time on. Many of the first trumpets related to the Roman Empire. The reason for that is that, that the Christians were directly affected by the Roman Empire and its persecution of God's people down through the ages. The first trumpet, for instance, just to give you a taste, um, many commentators believe that it re, um, relates to a person called Alaric. Now, Alaric was a Visigoth, the Visigoths were a group that lived up in the Baltic region and eventually found their way all the way down to Rome. This man and his 100,000 warriors felt that they had a divine uh, calling to actually come down and pillage Rome. They came as far as Rome and they actually pillaged Rome. And it is said that they destroyed the trees, they destroyed the grass, they destroyed everything. So when they left, they basically had what some people remember from World War Two, you remember Hitler had a scorched earth policy. He said nothing was to be left. Well, Alaric had pretty much the same type of attitude so that when he passed through a region, there was nothing left. It was destroyed. So you can see very clear evidence of both a symbolic fulfillment of this, but also a literal mm. fulfillment. Lydia. Before I go further, let's explain the meaning of the trumpet. So in Revelation, these seven trumpets that we're discussing today mm -hmm. is talking symbolically. So trumpets, even in our days, are for warning. Yes. So also in Old Testament, trumpets were an important part of the daily life of ancient Israel. Yes. Uh, we can find in Numbers chapter 10 verse 8 with 10 and in Second Chronicles chapter 13 verse 14 and 15 and uh, the trumpets sound reminded people of the worship in the temple. Uh, also, they were blown in the battle, at war, uh, at harvest time and during festivals. And uh, also, they, the blowing of the trumpets went hand in hand with prayer. 
or during worship in the temple or during the festivals, trumpets, the trumpets reminded God of his covenant with his people. They also reminded people to be ready for the day of the Lord in Joel chapter 2 verse 1. Uh, or during the battle, the trumpet sound gave uh, the key instruction and warning and called upon God to save his people. So the symbol of the trumpet is about warning. Yes. So we yes. have seven warnings in this chapter that mm. we studied today. Okay, thank you, Ligia. Nick? And I just want to, because I was thinking to, to approach that thing, but while Ligia shared that, I'll just say just a couple of things. Um, as I used to serve in the army, I know uh, also the the importance yeah, of the, the trumpet. trumpet. And very very important is that the the sound needs to be clear. Otherwise, you wouldn't know what's going to happen, just, what's all about, yes, you know. Yes, and right. because of that, we have uh, messages coming together with these trumpets, and those messages needs to be understood and. Uh, clearly uh, represented before people. And that's again I, I like to emphasize here for everyone, for ourselves here or everyone who's listening. Very important to get into the Bible and get familiar with the Word of God. Yes. Not just hearing from here and there or on the internet or whatever. I will encourage you to open the Bible and search for it and ask God in prayer to reveal the truth. Mm. And also I forgot to mention that every sound used in these circumstances every event actually had a distinct sound yes, of the trumpet yes, a right. distinct uh, melody mm. so people knew about it that's oh, is the prayer time oh, yes. is the festival time yes. or oh, is the war time yes. good point harvey we even use the term nowadays loud and clear and that's one of the things about it if a warning is being given i believe the trumpets means it's loud and clear and it has to be unambiguous. People yes. have to understand yes. what is what the trumpet is telling them. Helen? In the time of the Israelites, did they not have the Feast of the Trumpets? Yes. yes. And yes. it was signifying the Day of Atonement. Mm. And, and I think there's a link here, you know, the trumpets in Revelation. Mm. It's signifying for us the Day of Atonement mm. and the judgment to come. Mm. Mm. And, and the children of Israel knew mm. that. I like what Harvey just said, and I like to emphasize on that one. Preaching the gospel for everyone who's called to do that needs to be with confidence and right interpretation, not hesitant and apathetic. We, we, just to summarize, folk, what we have studied so far, we have said that the trumpets reflect judgment over a, an extended period of time, from the time of John, if you will, till the time of the second coming. The judgments are poured out upon those who have, one, persecuted God's people, mistreated them, killed them, martyred them, um, diminished their influence. But after these seven trumpets, has there been any change in their thinking? Let's go to chapter 9 of Revelation, chapter 9, and verse 20 and 21. One thing that needs to be very, very clear in our study is that it uses the term a third. I believe it's referring to a third primarily in regard to the Roman Empire at this particular point in time, particularly with the first couple of trumpets. After all, if it had been worldwide, there would be nothing left. And furthermore, the second point that's very important is remember it is God's people that are crying out for, for justice, for the Lord to, to avenge their blood. God's people initially were all in the Roman Empire. 
because the world of Christ, the, the world of John, the world of the early apostles was all Roman. Lydia, were you going to make a comment? Yes, uh, in regard to the verse that you said. So it follows six trumpets, six mm. warnings right. for people to come and repent. And what is the response? And the response is uh, in Revelation chapter 9 verse 20. The rest of mankind that were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshipping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality or their theft. Mm, thank you. So we find that regardless of the judgments that God has poured out on these people, what is their response to it? Their response is to continue doing exactly what they were doing before. Now, this ties in fairly well, we will find in a future study together, with what is said about the plagues. When you study the seven plagues, you'll find that after, uh, I think it's plague four, you'll find that they cursed God and repented not of their sins. It, it states that categorically. We're not going to spend the time on it today. We're just going to show very clearly that here we have a situation that God's judgments are poured out upon those who have persecuted and destroyed his people, but their response, the response of those who are receiving the judgment, is not to repent. Their response is to become ever more defiant. Who does that remind you of in the Old Testament? The Israelites. The Israelites. So it reminds me of a certain person called Pharaoh. Yeah, the, the term I was thinking of was hardening his heart. Mm. And and I think this is explaining exactly what people do. Yes. You know, you you dwell on the temptation. The temptation becomes a sin and, and then it becomes um, a habit, you know, and it, it just goes on and on and on until there is death and separation. It becomes a vice, basically. Yes, and their hearts yeah, are hardened. And their hearts yeah. are hardened. Harvey? I said Israelite only because even though they were God's people... So many times God sent judgments mm. upon them mm. because of what they had failed to do and they would return to God, praise the Lord, and that should be yes. the, our yes. response. But sadly, it wasn't usually too long afterwards that they well, backtracked back into again. It again. So it true. happened over and over again. But I don't think we should look necessarily only at the Israelites. I think sometimes we should look at ourselves a personal and realise that we actually mm. perhaps do that too many times ourselves. Yes, yes. Nick? Again, this is a, a study for another time about the third. But uh, I'll just mention something here uh, because you'll see all the messages coming through refers to the uh, a third, you know. Mm, and right. uh, as Harvey pointed out, the third doesn't mean only, the, you know, Israel. It means the, all God's people also who will uh, um, have a heart to, to receive the message and change their ways, you know. And this is what I was going to, to mention. The parallel is so amazing. When Satan start the war in heaven and, uh, and drag with him a third of the angels down, now God is going to restore that number. God is going to take a third from this world to replace that. But that's another study for another time. Thank you for, for your comments. Thank you, everyone, for your comments in this regard. What it indicates to me is a total intransigence on the part of those who are afflicted 
with these judgments. Instead of turning their hearts towards the Lord, it just makes them more and more defiant, just like Pharaoh. And I've been to uh, Egypt recently, and many people, uh, many of our guides believe that Ramesses III was possibly the Pharaoh that was around in the time of Moses. We can't say categorically, but possibly. He was an, an egotist of the highest order and reigned for something like 70 years. And um, you remember that when Moses went to him, he said, thus says the Lord God, let my people go. He said, who is the Lord and why should I let the people go? Now, Harvey, you made a, a very interesting point because today many people are saying in their hearts, even if not openly, who is the Lord and why should I obey him? God is saying, I'm serious about what I'm doing. These judgments are going to be poured out on you. If you don't repent, this is what the end result will be. And many people are saying in their hearts, I don't know the Lord and I really have no respect for anything that God has to say. Let's go over to chapter 10 now because we need to get on to a section where it talks about a mighty angel with a little book. Helen's waving her hand now, around excuse there. excuse me, you used a word, I think you might need to explain it, Intransigence. Intransigence. Can you just explain to the people what that means? To be intransigent means that that you were set in your ways, that you were not prepared to change. Thank Mm. you. Yeah. I'm sure some people are thinking, whatever is he talking about? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, let's have a look at chapter 10 because now we move from the seven trumpets. We've talked about six of the seven. We haven't really talked about the seventh, but that comes up at some other time. What we need to do now is look at chapter 10 and have a look at, um, start at verse 5 and go down to verse 7. Who would like to read those verses for me? Harvey, I think you missed out last time, so That's maybe okay. you could read these ones for me. Thank you. 5 to 7, is it? Yes. Uh, Revelation 10, verse 5 to 7. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever who created heavens and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished, as he declared to his servants the prophets. This is a most interesting group of verses. Let's go back. Thank you, Harvey. Let's go back to verse 5. Who is this angel swearing by? Is showing here that uh, even in verse 1, then I saw another mighty angel mm-hmm. coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun and his legs were like fiery pillars. And in verse 5, as we read, standing on the sea and on the land. So one, he had one foot on the sea and one foot on the what land. What does that represent? Raised his right hand to heaven. Uh, this represents that he's the creator and he and he because he's sitting with one foot on the sea and one foot on the earth it means he's the 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 proprietor of the of the, the of the entire universe thank you Legend. and this is showing that is jesus yeah jesus he is the swearing, creator he is swearing by himself exactly because you remember in the bible jesus said to the disciples don't swear by heaven or by earth you can't change anything there or there just may you yes be yes, you know be no. Hear this person, and an angel simply means messenger. Yes. 
don't read into it that it must be talking about one of the angels. Angel is simply messenger. Here is Christ himself swearing by no higher authority than himself. And we know from Colossians 1 verse 16 that Christ was the creator. So he's swearing by himself. Helen, you wanted to make a comment, I believe. Well, I believe the Bible answered your question, interpreted Mm. itself in verse 6. He said, the one who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and everything in them, the earth and everything in it, and the sea and everything in it. I think it's very clear that they're talking about the creator. The wording that you have just used is significant. Where do you find that wording in the Old Testament? You find it in the Sabbath commandment. Mm. But you also find it in the opening opening words of the Bible. In the beginning, yes, God, created God created the heaven, and the, heaven and the earth. Yes. Okay, Harvey. In John chapter 1, it also speaks about Jesus being the creator. Mm-hmm. He, yes. He's the word who became flesh and, and dwelt, dwelt among, among us. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who created all things. By him, all things were created. Mm. Good point. Okay, verse 6. Anything in that? What was it that he swore about? Or he swore on the fact that of the creatorship that he makes a statement. He says that there should be delay no longer. Some versions have time no longer. Am I right? Mm. Yes. And, of course, we we believe it's talking about prophetic time. But there were warnings before. There were so many mm. warnings before. And now this time Jesus came in, in his own person, yes. personality and person, and mm-hmm. he says, that's it. There is no... There will be no more delay. You had Mm. enough grace from me, but now, that's it, the time comes. Mm. That's that's a good point, Ligia. It's also, I believe, talking about prophetic time. Remember the book of Daniel? In Daniel, Daniel was told to shut up the words and seal the book till the time of the end. Now, any Bible student uh, would recognize that by the 18th century, there was a great deal of interest being shown in the book of Daniel and understanding it. Harvey, I think you wanted to make a comment. Just that about time being no longer, as in prophetic time. Yes. We know that in Daniel, I think it's 8.14, it speaks about until 2,300 days. That is the last prophetic time period. Nothing beyond that. And it's basically the message is being given. After that, there is no more prophetic time. It doesn't mean that time ceases to happen but it just is that there is nothing after that that's Mm. been prophesied except the final event of Jesus coming again I think this pronouncement would bring fear to some people that are not walking with the Lord but for those that have given their hearts to the Lord I believe that brings peace and comfort Mm. finally all, all these things that are yes. happening on the earth are yes. going to be done away with. Yes. Finally, sin no more. Well, if that doesn't bring us hope and comfort Isn't and peace... is that good news? Wow, to me, mm. that's what the gospel okay. is. It's Lydia, good news. just quickly. Yes, he's, he pronounces this decision in a loud shout like a like the roar of a lion in verse 3. Mm-hmm. So the mm-hmm. roar of a lion symbolizes God's voice. Yes. So... Uh, it's it's he's the king, you know. The li- the lion is the symbol mm. of the king. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay, Nick. And I was just going to follow up a, li- a little bit with what Helen said. Even though some people may uh, be fearful, or you know, it, by these words, I mean that's very important actually because this is a it's a message which depends our life and death about it. You know, it's and life if, and death. Man. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And if uh, if somebody there. 
uh, may not understand things. I mean, that's why we are very serious about uh, these messages. Because this is not just something, you know, if you want to consider yes, if not, it's up to you. This is a very serious uh, warning and message, and we are going to proclaim it. Mm. We can look at it as if, for God's people, this is a wonderful promise. Yes. For those that are not God's people, who have not accepted God, it's a terrible and serious warning. Yes. Unless they take heed and do something about it, it will be too late. Mm. Okay, thank you, Harvey. Let's look at verse 7, then we need to move on, folk. Um, Verse 7 says, But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, in other words, the seventh trumpet, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished. What do you understand the mystery of God to be? I believe it's a removal of all evil. Okay, thank you. That's uh, one verse. Could you turn to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7, and also 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18 to 20. As we have said, folk, repeatedly, we use the Bible to interpret the Bible. And these verses I found this morning uh, in my study, and I thought that they would be good verses to share. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18 and 20. Helen, could you read those for me, please? 1 verse 18 and 20. And Lydia, could you read 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 7? The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the power of God. So where does this leave the philosopher, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Interesting, isn't it? The word mystery here is particularly significant. A mystery to many of us today is something that cannot be understood. The term mysterion, the Greek word here, is actually not referring to something that can't be understood. It's referring to something that only those who know the Lord can understand. You remember Jesus talked about the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. He said to the disciples, you have been given the secrets of the kingdom of heaven but to those who will listen it's nonsense in this day and age in 2019 we find that often when you present the gospel to people some people will accept it and we praise the lord for that but other people see it as nonsense it's gobbledygook Mm. because they can't understand it and they don't see why the, the salvation is so simple that christ died on the cross for our sins in order that we might have eternal life they think that where's the catch (laughs) <laughs> mm. yeah. It also means a mystery of iniquity. The mystery of iniquity, well. yes. It's mm. another one. Ligia, mm. can you read verse uh, chapter 2 of verse 7? I haven't forgotten you. Yes, First <laughs> Corinthians chapter 2 verse mm. 7. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a oh. wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Okay, keep reading. Perhaps read verse down to verse 10 just to fill the full picture in here. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. Yes. Now that's the answer. Yes, okay, the answer is what? The answer is that you can only understand the mystery of God that it's talking about here through the agency of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And that is what we claim for 
ourselves. This is why we pray each time before we have our Bible study. So it's we pray for the wisdom sorry. of the Holy Spirit to reveal the mysteries of the plan of salvation to us. Helen. Yeah, that was the word I was going to use. You know, the mystery was that his plan was previously hidden. Yes. But it's now unfolding mm. and we will see mm. what that plan is. Well, wouldn't it be wrong of God to allow people to be lost if they didn't really understand the oh. plan of salvation? Harvey, were you going to make a comment? Yes, I was going to make a comment previous. There's so many hands going up, I just have to... <laughs> It's a little bit like the very name of the book that we've been studying, the Revelation. Now, most people say that can't be understood. It's it's a it's a hidden book. It's a it's mysterious. It can't be understood. But the very name of the book, Revelation. the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Yes. And uh, I think that has to say something. It does. Thank you. Also, yeah. also just to mention that. Uh, I I can't think of the words just right now. Uh, uh, John asks uh, what's all about when God speaks about that. And, and God says uh, that's a uh, secret. Yeah. Yes. Because that referred to what you just said, to the yes. message which that's was given right. to Daniel mm-hmm. uh, to refer to the end times. But now that message of uh, Daniel is it's going to be revealed. revealed. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we, we can um, look at that a little bit more. In uh, Revelation chapter 10, verse for a little bit above that we uh, uh, read already it says that and uh, when the seven thunders spoke i was about to write so john was about to write but i heard a voice from heaven saying seal up what the mm. seven thunders have said and do not write it down so it means john was not allowed to write it down what the thunders have said because there are things concerning the future that god has not revealed to us through john yet yes okay all right Now, in the latter part of chapter 10, we learn that John was invited to take the scroll. Notice it's a smaller scroll than we looked at earlier in the book of Revelation. This is a smaller scroll. He was invited to eat it. Now, we know that Jesus said that uh, unless they ate the bread of life, they would not uh, have eternal life. In other words, they had to eat the words that Christ was presenting to them. And it was very meaningful to be down by the Sea of Galilee and see the very place where he probably said these words. But here John is invited to eat it, and it has a dual aspect. It's sweet in his mouth, but bitter in his stomach, meaning that the message to them was sweet. But we know that um, those who proclaimed the message during the period 1840 to 1844, it was known as the Great Disappointment because the event that they were so longingly looking for did not take place and just to expand a little bit there even though we haven't explained the seven trumpets uh, as a periodical which time applies but as you refer to this uh, Brenton uh, about the 140 244 um, because it was that great awakening you know great awakening after a period of time um, you know during first during the reformation time was you know amazing to come back to the bible but mm-hmm. was, was you know during the french revolution yeah. where people start we're coming to that yeah but that's, yeah, that's <laughs> if we can still cover we will almost run out of time but just very quickly is that during that time of great awakening and big disappointment so amazingly that god told john to to write that thing that the people will when they will go through that great disappointment, they will have the promise to keep looking in the Bible and, yes. and see where yes. they are. Mm. And it's 
sometimes when we have disappointments, we walk out of the thing or the situation and sure. give up. But in this context, these guys never gave up. Yeah. They went straight back to the Bible to see what that Good represents. Point. Let's go quickly to chapter 11. talks about the two witnesses. Very quickly, Ligia, did you have a comment? So, uh, John was invited, was asked, actually was commanded to take the the scroll and eat it. Yes. And eat it. That's so right. eating in the Bible it's used to describe the acceptance of a message from God yes, that's right. in order to proclaim it to the people. Mm-hmm. So when received the message uh, is good news, but when it is proclaimed it, it sometimes results in bitterness uh, as it is resisted and rejected by many. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Legia. That's a good point. Um, Chapter 11 deals with two witnesses. Now, this is based on the Jewish legal system where everything had to be ratified by two witnesses or more. And we believe that it's talking about the Old and the New Testament. Now, in the time that we've got uh, remaining, which isn't a lot, Nick, I realise, Bible scholars generally recognise this as referring to a period when there was a very deliberate attempt made to eliminate Christianity from people's minds and that was perhaps best illustrated in what took place in the French Revolution between 1789 and uh, 1801 when interestingly enough religion was restored but before then something like 30 or 40,000 priests had been executed uh, various bishops had been executed and the Bible was basically banned they worshipped someone called the goddess of reason and when it talks uh, in about the beast coming up out of the uh, bottomless pit in verse 7 and making war against them overcoming in them and killing them and their do- dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt this is interesting it refers very well to the French Revolution because they had the uh, shall we say excesses of Sodom and they had the unbelief of Egypt. Who is the Lord that I should take any notice of him? And you had this this backlash. But then it says that after a period of time, that what happened to these witnesses? They were resurrected. Restored, yeah. And, and restored. And quickly, <laughs> just uh, mm. because of time today, and we may come back to this uh, another program, but the two witnesses, and very nicely and clearly refers to the Bible, to the Old Testament and the New Testament yes. together. Mm-hmm. Because when, you know, Christians today, they are looking for the New Testament. Say, if you ask them, you'll, they will say, we are Christians of the New Testament. You know, but the restoration talked about the two witness, talked yes. about the Old Testament and the New Testament. Very important just mm-hmm. to, to clarify that. Yeah, thank you, Nick. I just want to f- uh, finish in the, Nick, how many minutes have we got to go? he's saying (laughs) with grace (laughs) with grace and of course grace is on this program so (laughs) let's have a look at chapter 11 and let's have a look at what is actually stated in verse 15 which I find particularly interesting Revelation 11 and verse 15 Harvey could you read that one for us please Revelation 11 11, 15. 15 then the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Do you find this verse particularly significant? Yes. What does it mean to us today in 2019? The end is going to come, and Jesus is going to be 
totally victorious. Thank you, Harvey. Any other comments? It's the arrival Harvey? of the king, isn't it? It's the arrival of the king. The one it's we're a statement for. that's being made yes. here, isn't it? The yes. kingdoms, it doesn't say the kingdoms of the other worlds. No. It says the kingdoms of this world have Will become, reign forever. And will reign for and what? Ever. Yeah. Ever and ever. Good isn't news? that good news? That's yeah. good news. That's good news. Nick, did you? Oh, have a look, I'm just, looking at your, I'm just looking at your ex excitement, you know, and uh, yeah. how should I uh, be different than this, you know? <laughs> yeah, praise the Lord for, uh, for the time we live in, and we are also very res responsible for this time to, to prepare ourselves and prepare the people of God. Mm. Just in summary, in closing, just a, a couple of comments, perhaps. Harvey, what have we learnt from our study today that it encourages you to keep going and to say that the end is coming soon? Well, I think the last text we just read is about as good as it gets. As good as it because gets. Because the time is coming. You know, God says there is going to be a point where it says time will be no longer. And those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus will be totally vindicated universally yes. and will accept the gift that Jesus is going to give another gift he's given all sorts of gifts he's given us the gift of grace the gift the gift of forgiveness but he's also going to give us the gift of immortality eternal life that will be given and we will spend it with him praise the lord that's Absolutely. wonderful news helen what would you say in summary <laughs> very quickly in summary god is in control um, good news? He, yeah, that's good news. He will avenge the blood of those who have been martyred, absolutely. He is coming. He is, he is on his way. But the thing that comes through to me is the warnings that he has given. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says now is the accepted time. Now is the that's day of judgment. Point. We need to give our hearts to him now, have our lives in tune within, in yeah. harmony with God, mm -hmm. so that when all these things happen, we know we can trust him because... Yes. If God is for us, who can be against yes, us? Wonderful. Ligia, did you have a final comment that you... Yeah, another key is that uh, in Revelation chapter 11, verse 1 and 2 and 3, it says that John was commanded to measure the temple, the altar, and the worshippers also. Mm. So the concept of measuring in the Bible refers figuratively to judgment. Mm, thank you. So this day was a day of measuring as God judged his people. So this judgment concerns exclusively God's people, the worshippers in the temple. So mm. I will be measured, I will be weighed, and I will be um, judged. Yes, so I have to we, think about it. Yes, good point. Yeah. If we are in Christ... Do we have anything to fear? No. No, no, because he stands for us in Correct. the judgment. Nick, did yeah. you have a final uh, I, I just want to uh, <coughs> mention about uh, the amazing picture of Jesus himself standing with one foot on the yes. sea and one, one foot on, on, the, the on the land. And how important is that, that this message is for all people. But as the sea represents the multitudes of people and the earth represents a less uh, number of people very important again here because the bible says that there will be many people who will go to the wider gate towards destruction and there will be only few people going to the narrow gate and finding christ we inviting now everyone to consider this mm. and guide their steps if you like and ask God to guide their, their yes. steps to the narrow path
to the narrow gate because Jesus is in control of everything and the message is given to everyone. Jesus doesn't have only preferences. He loves everyone. But mm. in the end, we are responsible for our choices. Mm, thank you. Shall we close with prayer? Mm. Father in heaven, we thank you for your amazing love towards us. Amen. Sinners that we are, you shed your precious blood for us in order that we might live. And we accept that sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf this morning, this Thursday morning. Amen. May all those who are listening, Lord, feel the movings of your spirit in their hearts and say, Lord, I want to see you face to face. Mm. I thank you that you are doing something about the sin problem. There are times where it seems as though, Lord, that this world is just getting worse and worse, that Satan is in full control. But we have learned today that the voices from heaven in Revelation 11 say that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. My prayer, Lord, is for our listeners, for ourselves, that the love of Jesus will be shown in our hearts and our lives today, mm -hmm. and that we will prepare, recognising that we're in the time of judgment, recognising that even now the judgment is going on in heaven. Mm -hmm. But in Christ, we have nothing to fear. He steps forward and says, Father, my blood covers that person. May that be the experience of not only of ourselves, but of everyone who is listening is my earnest prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you very much, uh, panel, and thank you to all our listeners. May God bless you and keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus.